Well, here we are in the thick of a new year. And as usual, new years bring along new beginnings and possibly new promises for things to come. So for those of you out there who happen to own a business, I want to tell you a little bit about FedEx Office. If you're just starting or have been running a company for, I don't know, years, generations, an eternity, FedEx Office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, and much, much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering are fast and easy. Right now, we're teaming up with FedEx and Podgo to bring our listeners 30% off your next order of $100 or more at podgo.co slash FedEx. That's podgo.co slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, the world on time. Oh, speaking of being on time, I'm late for the show. Telehel presents... Commercials of the Damned! that time of the year where practically every TV set in America is tuned in to see which of the two remaining football teams out there is better than the other one. Every year without fail, the big game pulls in a big crowd, and sharing in that big crowd's ability to watch people beat each other up over an oblong ball is the fact that that same crowd gets to watch the pinnacle of what Madison Avenue has to offer us. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information an estimated $5.6 million per 30 seconds of advertising space, to say nothing of the cost of actually producing the commercial from start to finish, is expected to be spent during this year's big game. Multiply that number by however many spots are played during a three to four hour football game, and that's billions of dollars in ad revenue, which is then used to spend on the rest of the network's talent and crew for the next year. In other words, there's a lot at stake when it comes to these particular commercials. Not just for the network, but for the advertiser as well. Because if their commercial isn't effective enough, not only will that 5.6 million that they spend go to waste, but with over 100 million people watching at the same time, those same people might instantly dislike what they see and shun the product as a result of watching the ad. Quite possibly the most blatant example of judging a book by its cover Unless, of course, the cover is blatantly obvious. Ching Ching, we have no customers, no sales. We're going out of business. Ling Ling, I am not going back to the zoo. And we need a sales miracle. So with moments to go until kickoff, we'd like to take a minute to remind people of those times when advertising during the big game was less of a touchdown and more of a fumble. A fumble that ultimately leads to the viewers getting metaphorically sacked and wondering if they've suffered a concussion after watching some of the worst commercials ever to air during a big game in Telehell. Okay, bear with us folks, we're gonna try something a little different this week. Originally, this was supposed to be a standard countdown of what we considered to be the worst commercials to ever air during football's biggest game. But then we quickly realized just how much time that would wind up consuming. If you think of it, 
this game has been happening for LV years, or 55 if you don't speak in Roman numeral. That means 55 years of TV commercials to sift through. And chances are, any commercial that aired before 1984 probably won't count anyway, because they all aired before the norm-shattering tribute to George Orwell that Apple Computers did that year. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. That, and just exactly what can be considered a so-called bad commercial, is all in the eye of the beholder. I.e., just because I hate something doesn't mean everybody else will either, and vice versa. So with that in mind, here's how this is gonna work. Instead of this being a traditional list, this will be more of an induction ceremony of sorts involving eight commercials that I think were among some of the worst to have aired during a big game, with some exceptions to the rule, which we'll get to. Why only eight? Because I would like this to become an annual event where we continue to add equally bad commercials into this collection. So if you feel that I left one out in this edition, don't worry and especially don't complain because there will be more where that came from. Of course, if you feel that we left out a particularly bad ad on purpose, you can let us know what we missed on either of our social feeds, Twitter and Facebook at Telehell Podcast. For now, though, these are simply bad football game spots that popped into our heads the quickest. And since this isn't a countdown, we won't be presenting these ads in any particular order of hatred or dislike. On top of that, we cannot stress enough how subjective these selections are. If anybody out there happened to like any of them, you're more than welcome to, and Satan forbid, I'm not gonna stop ya. These are selections that are based on, I guess you could say, a number of different factors. Mostly dislike towards the ad, except in certain cases where majority rule may outweigh my own feelings. I'll explain that once we get to the spot in question. Not to mention a collection of opinions from various advertising publications that pretty much feel the same way. And of course, since this is one of our unconventional episodes, this is one of those times where we put the nine circles aside for the week, which stands to reason because the commercials we cover here will fall under the same basic mechanics. One being that millions of dollars are spent and sometimes wasted during this one time slot in an effort to get more brand name recognition. And as we say, the greedy plans are often the ones with the least amount of thought put into it. Not to mention that some of these spots seem to go out of their way to offend their audience, all but guaranteeing some wrath from the viewers. Of course, the sizable audience that these ads wind up receiving, whether they're popular or not, thus increasing the consumer's need to consume the product, oftentimes in gluttonous ways. And in the case of some of these spots, appealing to one's baser instinct to salivate over what they see in a sometimes lustful way. And now that we've achieved our minimal requirements, let's open up the door and usher in eight commercials that aired during football's biggest game that find themselves worthy of induction into the class of 2021 of what we call The Big Game Hall of Shame. 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 Induction Shame. number one. Shame. Shame. We're going to begin this induction with something that we've already discussed at great lengths nearly two years ago when Telehell was just beginning. 
back when... Commercials of the Damned was a regular segment. But we do feel the need to recap this because, as we mentioned in that minisode, the concept's grand reveal took place during the big game. So with that, let me remind some of you out there who Herb was. Sometime soon, this man could walk into your life and make you a millionaire. Herb was Burger King's attempt to horn in on the other fast food company's business during the mid-1980s. An individual who supposedly never tasted a Burger King burger in his life. The campaign started in November of 1985, with a build-up of who Herb was supposed to be. Ultimately leading up to not only his reveal, but the launch of an ill-conceived contest surrounding him, during the night of one of the most watched events on television. Now the ultimate development in the search for Herb. Herb. Herb, is it true you finally tasted a Whopper? Yes, it was very good. And now you're planning to visit a Burger King in every state? Can you confirm that the first person to spot you in each... I'm really only including this one almost as a thing to get out of the way. As a reminder, the campaign cost BK millions in advertising, sales revenue, and even some legal action in some states. All of which you can find out once again in Minnesota number one from 2019. Just click on that whenever you're done listening to this. Now that we got that out of the way, let's get to something a little bit more up to date. Shame! 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 Induction number two. Shame! Shame! Sometimes the expression, don't judge a book by its cover, is thrown out the window when it comes to these ads. It almost doesn't matter if the product that's being advertised is actually a good one or not. If there's something in the commercial that viewers find to be deeply unsettling, it won't matter how good the product is. People are not going to want it after being exposed to a piece of nightmare fuel. Case in point, this 2011 ad for a website called HomeAway.com. Never heard of it? Well, you'll find out why in a second. For now though, let's listen in. Hello. I'm the Minister of D-Tourism. We're a secret government agency saving vacations. You know us as homeaway.com. Families are getting swindled. Why? Because hotels hate your guts. The spot starts out innocently enough, as we're introduced to a spy-like organization that showcases all the ways a family vacation hits various bumps in the road. A decent concept on paper. But then, from seemingly out of nowhere, this happens. No, you're sleeping on the floor! Test baby. Just right the fuck out of nowhere. A combination of CGI, silly putty, eyes, teeth, and fever dreams are smeared against a piece of safety glass. But don't worry, that wasn't an actual baby as the head of the agency assures us. Test baby. But no matter how much assurance is made, whatever the actual message of the spot was supposed to be almost gets immediately destroyed by the image of something that would make the baby in train spotting look more realistic. The ad was one of the most negatively tested ones among viewers in 2011. 
So much so that the commercial had to be re-edited within a few hours so that the baby was no longer just a test baby, but rather an implied actual baby that was caught safely. Somehow that seems worse, but I digress. As for why nobody remembers the name HomeAway.com, that's because Expedia.com bought the company in 2015 and later changed the name of the site to Verbo. Either that, or I guess it's true what they say about changing names to protect the innocent. Test baby. Rent a vacation home from HomeAway.com. Space. Privacy. Freedom. Another vacation safe. Why hotel when you can HomeAway? Induction number three. Shame. Well, remember what I said about majority rule outweighing my own feelings towards an ad? Well, we've crossed that bridge now. And I want to predicate this one by stating that I do not find this next spot to be offensive in any way. If anything, it's probably one of the more progressive spots that we're going to be featuring here. Hell, I was only 12 years old when this aired, and I probably didn't get the subtext behind it anyway. But because certain audiences raised their voice about it when it aired, the spot only aired a handful of times before it ultimately got pulled. So really, the actual shame about this ad was that those certain people were not more open-minded about it when it first aired. That being said, if ever there was one universal truth to most of the world of advertising, it's the notion that sex sells which, when executed properly, can manage to keep a product or a company in business for years to come. Executed poorly, however, you'll wind up with people coming out of the woodwork who are only too eager to say to themselves, Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? With that much of an introduction in mind, picture, if you will, a high school reunion. A beautiful woman is strutting around while the announcer lists off a number of cosmetic changes the woman has made along with their price tags. New nose, $6,000. Lips, $3,000. New chest, $8,000. At first glance, you would think that this was one of those priceless commercials from MasterCard. But then comes the punchline. It's amazing the changes you can make for a few thousand dollars. Bob? Johnson? Hi, Tom. Imagine what Holiday Inns will look like when we spend a billion. Like I said, I don't find anything offensive about this commercial one bit, and that's in my honest opinion. But tell that to an intolerant 1997 audience who was watching football, and you can pretty much figure out why we're including this ad anyway. Unfortunate as it may be, it seems as though a contingent of people who thumped their Bibles made the biggest outcry about the ad. And while I can't deny their complaints, it's also one of those cases where those complaining probably need to loosen up a little bit. Okay, so the woman in the ad was born a man. And? I... <laughs> Don't tell me. I never forget a face. Don't help me here. It's, uh... It's amazing the changes you can make for a few thousand dollars. Huh? I would imagine this ad would get a far more positive reception in this day and age. And believe it or not, it actually has, mostly from those in the transgender community. 
What's more, Holiday Inn actually wound up benefiting from the ad's bad publicity, including stories of how both men and women with the name Bob Johnson actually started making reservations at hotels across the country. So the ad had to have done something right. Like I said, I really don't see anything wrong with the spot, but the fact that some people clutch their pearls a little too tightly makes this one, I guess you'd say, bad by proxy. Get enough complaints, you get a reputation slapped onto it. And bad reputations are hard to remove, no matter how much you spend on renovations. Bob? Bob Johnson? Hi, Tom. Imagine what Holiday Inns will look like when we spend a billion. Induction number four. Speaking of the notion that sex sells, no discussion of big game commercials would be complete without mentioning GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy girls coming to set. And everybody's staring. Quite possibly since the internet was first commercialized, GoDaddy.com managed to maintain a presence at the big game. And for most of those years, the siren's call will be made by someone who, herself, is one of the great sirens from the world of sports, race car driver Danica Patrick. Pretty much every GoDaddy commercial she ever appeared in promised something of a sexual tease once the commercial made its appearance during the game. And the only reason why I'm not going to induct every single one of these commercials is because, for better or worse, the ads actually managed to do their job effectively. How else are they still in business to this very day? However, one year, Patrick decided to sit on the sidelines and let some fresh blood sell some web domains. With that said, we're going to play a quick game of Name That Out of Context Sound. Ready? Okay then. Name That Out of Context Sound. And because I live in a place where masochism is a way of life, let's play that sound again. Now, you may think that that was the sound of pancakes mopping up syrup, or stepping on a freshly chewed piece of gum, or even the sound of lubricant being used properly, or even improperly. Unfortunately, the real answer is far more unsettling. There are two sides to GoDaddy. There's the sexy side represented by Bar Raffaelli, and the smart side that creates a killer website for your small business represented by Walter. Together, they're perfect. Supermodel Bar Raffaelli and character actor Jesse Hyman had to earn their pay the hard way for this one. And while I'm all but certain that the geeky-looking Hyman enjoyed his job very much, Raffaelli's imagination reflex had to have gone into overdrive by visualizing practically anybody else known to mankind as the object of her affection for those few seconds. You give me those three pizzas, only I'll give you just five dollars a piece. Okay, 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 that may be a step too far, but you do get my point, right? While the overall audience reaction was officially mixed on the ad, the slim majority of dislikes came from just how uncomfortable it was to watch. And considering how big an audience wound up tuning into it, it may have sped up the wait time to take a bathroom break instead of waiting till halftime like we normally do. Get your domain and website at GoDaddy.com. Our next inductee is... 
What the? Oh, right. This is a football-themed episode. Well then, I guess that whistle means it's now time for our own bathroom break. When we return, four more spots that are worthy of induction into... The Big Game Hall of Shame. After the break... Mr. Green? Yeah. You, you need any help? Mm-mm. I, I just want you to know, I think, I think you're the best ever. Yeah, sure. Want my Coke? It's okay, you can have it. No, no. Really, you can have it. Okay. Coke and a smile. Telehell is proud to partner up with Dave's Archives. Dave's Archives is the premier spot on YouTube where you can get your vintage TV fix, including old commercials and original shows covering classic TV and other TV-related pop culture. Here's just a small taste of what they have in store for you. Here's the crunch you're craving. Nothing will take its place. Cause the good gets better with golden flakes. Start digging that golden taste. Munch them by the mouthful. Share them with your friends. With a crispy taste of golden flake, the party never ends. Cause when you get down to it, and the truth is told, the good gets better with golden flake. It's good, good as gold. The good gets better with golden flake. It's good, 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 good as gold. Want to check out the rest of it? Go to YouTube and type in Dave's Archives, or you can visit them on Facebook. Again, search Dave's Archives. And now, back to my punishment for the week. Okay, let's pick up the second half of gameplay. Induction number five. There are certain things that one can and cannot do when it comes to advertising. For instance, you can try to get the audience to react by using shock humor, but you can't step over the line when you do. Shock has to be done in such a way that you can get the audience's attention without instantly turning people off to what it is that you're trying to sell. And while this particular website still exists, it almost seems miraculous that they were able to survive probably the most tone-deaf commercial to air in the 21st century until Kendall Jenner thought a can of Pepsi would solve everything. Oh, and by the way, that commercial will not be included here because it didn't air during a big game. But don't think I won't dissect that one someday. Anyway, here's Oscar winner and accused me tour, Timothy Hutton. Mountainous Tibet. One of the most beautiful places in the world. This is Timothy Hutton. The people of Tibet are in trouble. Their very culture is in jeopardy. 
but they still whip up an amazing fish curry. And since 200 of us bought at Groupon.com, we're each getting $30 worth of Tibetan food for just $15 at Himalayan restaurant in Chicago. Save the money. Unlock great deals in your town. Groupon.com. Because nothing says big football game like human rights atrocities. <sighs> for reasons that we don't really have that much time to explain, the people of Tibet have been through far too much over the years, but clearly not enough so that their unfortunate way of living is reduced to a joke about how good their food is. Naturally, this commercial for Groupon received more than its fair share of complaints from viewers. Yet, not so many that the site remains in business today. At least as of this recording, anyway. That kind of negative reinforcement actually reminds me of this one scene from the movie version of Howard Stern's Private Parts. Look, but if they hate him, why do they listen? Most common answer. I want to see what he'll say next. So, in a severely mutated way, I guess the spot managed to accomplish what it set out to do after all. And all it cost was the exploitation of human misery. And don't even get me started on how Christopher Guest was the director of that ad. I'm not kidding. Mr. Jamie Lee Curtis cranked this one to 11. In the worst possible way. But they still whip up an amazing fish curry. But again, Groupon is still in business. For better or worse. But seeing the way the commercial was executed, however, it sort of reminds me of what Lewis Black once said in regards to how awkwardly an ad is executed on some occasions. They're big and boldly produced and you have no idea what the fuck they're advertising. Three rabbits are sitting on a log and one goes home and hangs himself. Buy a bike. Tibet is suffering. So download a coupon for some of their grub. Next. Induction number six. One of the bigger purposes of watching the big game is, of course, watching a football game and cheering people on while blissfully chowing down on junk food for a few hours. So naturally, it's supposed to be a party, or at least a party-like atmosphere. Of course, for every party, there's bound to be a buzzkill or two to ruin things. Unless, however, it happens to be one of those years whenever fun commercials are replaced by more somber ones to reflect the country's mood after a major tragedy took place. For instance, when 9-11 happened, Budweiser famously made a commercial with their trademark Clydesdales bowing out of respect for New York City. It was reverent, it was respectful, and it acknowledged that while there was a football game going on, there was still an elephant in the room. Hopefully you get my point. Somber commercials are okay during the big game, as long as the situation calls for it and it's done in the right circumstances. Which makes me wonder what somber events took place in 2015 to have caused this spot to air. Hey, wait! Last bike! Wait! I'll never learn to ride a bike. Or get coolies. to fly or travel the world with my best friend and I won't ever get married. I couldn't grow up because I died from an accident. 
In a series of events that would cause SNL's Debbie Downer to up her medication, this spot pretty much laid it out on the line with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer to your ankles. An adorable kid tells the audience point-blank that he won't be able to enjoy his life because he became the victim of a household accident. Now, please pass the Doritos. Like. Naturally, the implication of a kid accidentally offing himself isn't exactly a thing that we would expect to see on a football game seen by hundreds of millions of viewers. And Nationwide Insurance was aware of that possible reaction. So much so that once the spot aired and the complaints came in, the response in part was, and we quote, The sole purpose of this message was to start a conversation, not sell insurance. We want to build awareness of an issue that is near and dear to all of us the safety and well-being of our children. We knew the ad would spur a variety of reactions. While some did not care for the ad, we hope it served to begin a dialogue to make safe happen for children everywhere." End quote. Which, yes, it does seem like a good intention, but as we just said in the Groupon ad, you can't step on or over the line. A smart thing to have done was to make the ad one of those silent ones where words pop up on the screen stating the same information. It might not have been as effective, but at least it wouldn't have invoked several millions of these responses. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Also, and I know this kind of straddles on the line of good taste, but minus points to them for not ending the ad with probably the most obvious line that they could possibly end it with. I see dead people. Clichéd, yes. Would have made a bad situation worse? Certainly, but be honest. You can't unthink it now that the idea's in your head. At Nationwide, we believe in protecting what matters most. Your kids. Together, we can make safe happen. I see dead people. Induction number seven. Well, we did kind of tease this one at the beginning, and sometimes a commercial's badness is so painfully obvious that there really is no need to say anything else and let the ad do the talking. So, here it is. Ting Ting, we have no customers, no sales! We're going out of business! Ling Ling, I am not going back to the zoo! Then we need a sales miracle! Panda Psychic, help! We need customers! Tell Ling Ling to get 100 free sales leads at salesgenie.com. And stop eating the bamboo furniture. Wow, look at all these sales leads. Thank you, Sales Genie. Hey, kid, you want to go see the grizzly bears at the zoo? For 100 free sales leads, go to salesgenie.com. Even if you were hard of hearing, you'd know why this spot got as much flack as it did. Between one ethnic stereotype after another to... Well, I was going to say how poorly animated the spot was considering the advances in technology by 2008. But when the bulk of your commercial contains patently offensive voices that would almost make you forgive Dana Carvey for playing anybody of Asian descent? No, I will no, no. I want to thank Ching Chang, Ning Nong, Ling Tang, and Rex Harrison. Oh, he made animals talk. This is a spot that should have been shot down the moment it was pitched. And yet, it got on the air anyway. And at this point, I'd like to paraphrase the wise words of one Mr. Shane Cummings, who wrote the following dissertation while attending Penn State. And that's no joke, by the way. Just Google Sales Genie Pandas, and his essay is actually one of the first links that pop up. And again, I quote, 
In addition to its racist content, the ad failed to connect with its intended audience because of its short length. Had the ad been slightly longer and more coherent, the ad may have been more easily able to connect with its target audience. The ad failed to adequately promote its product because of the ad's incredible absurdity. Two anthropomorphic pandas running a bamboo furniture store seemed like a simple enough concept. However, with the addition of a genie panda, a bamboo computer, talks of zoos, and visiting other bears, and a sudden change from a small bamboo furniture store to a large bamboo furniture corporation, the ad became too cluttered with ideas and confused the audience to an extreme extent. While the ad tried to portray a simple message, it failed miserably and there were too many absurd components of the ad to keep the audience focused on the message." End quote. In other words, the commercials sucked whether the racist undertones were to be there or not. Because they were a huge part of the ad. It's pretty much the giant panda in the room. No pun intended. Wow! Look at all these sales leads! Thank you, Sales Genie! Hey kid, you wanna go see the grizzly bears at the zoo? For 100 free sales leads, go to salesgenie.com! And yet... Among all of the spots that we've covered so far, this is surprisingly not the most offensive thing that we've seen. Better suit up. This one could get ugly. Induction number eight. For the final commercial we're inducting this year, there's actually a bit of backstory involved here. Too much in fact, so bear with us. For this may be a prime candidate of a commercial killing off a promising brand before it even had a fighting chance. The year is 1999, and in the midst of all the dot-com booming going on, brick and mortar businesses still remain strong in their autumn years. One such store owner was a South African immigrant named Harold Ruttenberg, whose company amassed $775 million in revenue in the previous year, and had ambitions to take his company, a superstore that sold athletic shoes and catered to a family crowd, to the next level. What better way to take it to that level than by having a commercial for your chain of stores be featured in the middle of television's biggest event? Ruttenberg spent a total of $7 million on the ad's production up to and including some pre-game hype saying that the ad would appear in the third quarter of the game. The result of that $7 million would turn out to be one of the most offensive things to ever transmit to 83 million American TV screens and untold billions of others around the world. So much so that I'm only going to read the details of what actually appeared in this commercial one time, one time only, and as slowly as I possibly can, because I really want you to let this sink in. <coughs> Somewhere in the heart of Africa, a group of hunters, all white men, are seen lacing water with various sedatives, all for the purposes of tracking down one of the country's native runners. A black man. Upon sedation, the runner is then fitted with a pair of sneakers that he spends the rest of the commercial trying desperately to remove from his feet as though he was stuck in a bear trap or something. 
And now, here's what I just said in its full broadcast form. It's a match! Thirty seconds was meant to jumpstart a now defunct chain of shoe stores called Just for Feet, and the backlash to this ad was palpable. So much so that the company wound up filing for bankruptcy by the end of 1999, the same year that the ad was released onto the masses. Whether or not the commercial actually contributed to the company's downfall is hard to tell, but the $10 million lawsuit that Ruttenberg then filed against the ad agency who made the commercial certainly didn't help matters. This story is, quite honestly, too long to tell and also too insane to convey here. So, allow me to do a bit of a deferral. The full details on how this one spot pretty much destroyed a shoe store can be found at Salon.com. Look for a 1999 article called, appropriately enough, The Ad From Hell. No, that title is not why we saved this one for last, but that's besides the point. Simply put, if you ever wanted to know how not to expand your growing business, and also how not to make a commercial, congratulations, you now have an instruction manual. No! And there you have it, our first eight inductees into the big game Hall of Shame. Like we said, we want this to be an annual event. So if you think we missed some more deserving candidates, there's always next year. It's not like I'm going anywhere for the rest of eternity anyway, so if there's any bad commercials that aired specifically during a big game that stick out in your mind, let us know on our social feeds at Telehell Podcast. Just remember, not any bad ad is going to make the cut. They have to be ones that received a lot of backlash from viewers or just has a mutual dislike for whatever reason. In the meantime, we must now focus our attention on another highly overrated holiday that takes place in February. Next time on Telehell. As Valentine's Day approaches, I think I'm gonna need a little extra help on this one. Thursday, Fonzie joins the band. On the season premiere of Joni Loves Chachi. But you can't guess what. Until then. If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Not unlike certain viruses, Telehell is everywhere now. In addition to Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, we can also be heard on Google Podcasts and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, we can also be heard in a number of other places just by Googling Telehell. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and follow our social feeds. Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcast.